got to go quickly. It's a draw. It's a draw. And then she gets it back. Oh, oh you're kidding me. And the Sunshine Coast Lightning have achieved the unthinkable. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Inner Circle Podcast. Back this week, Sherelle McMahon with you and, of course, Bianca Chatfield alongside me, B. Uh, it has been uh, another great round of netball with a few kind of interesting things that we really need to discuss. I know. There's been so much going on, Sherelle. I'm loving, though, and I'm sure the girls are loving more than what we are. But I know we had a game midweek this week for the start of round 13, but I'm loving now that we're back to weekend netball and that I can imagine, and you would have a bit better insight than me, but the players would be just absolutely being able to enjoy a bit of downtime and not feeling like every day they're getting ready to play another game, that they actually can get, do some recovery and probably even be able to get to training. Have the Vixens girls been able to go and do some training, which they probably wouldn't have been able to do the last few weeks? Yeah, they have been. They've been um, this week. They'll have a couple of training sessions out on court, and you're right. There just has not been that opportunity to do that. So... Um, you know, it will just be so, and I know we touched on this last week, but it just will be so fascinating how each of the teams cope with this extra time because um, previous to this, there literally hasn't been any time. Some of some of the teams have literally had a one-day turnaround before they've had to play a game. And so there hasn't been a lot of downtime to let your mind wander and uh, ponder the, you know, the situation that they're in. Um, but also, as you say, there's there's opportunities now for teams maybe to tweak a few things that they haven't had the opportunity to do throughout the season because of that lack of actual training time. So, you know, I, I think there's just a real shift in tempo of the season now. Um, and those teams that have had the momentum, uh, you know, I, and I certainly know from a Vixens perspective, it's we've been <laughs> addressing with the with the group around how we you know, allow ourselves to have that little bit of downtime and break, but also maintain that great momentum that we've built across the season. So firstly, congratulations, minor premiers. That's a pretty mm -hmm. cool position to finish what's been a crazy season in. Um, no doubt, you know, you're not celebrating being in that position because there's a lot more still to come. How do you handle that as a club now that you know you're finishing on top of the ladder You've still got a couple of games to go, but how are you handling that, uh, I guess, mentally as a club and, and, and building onto the finals? Because we know Vixens have finished minor premiers before, but haven't been able to get it done in the final series. Yeah, and it's an interesting one because I think, you know, you say you don't celebrate it, but I think, I think you have to acknowledge it and, um, mm. you know, celebrate in a small way to say, you know, the only way that you're getting that position is by playing some really really strong, consistent netball across the season. So I think it's um, important to acknowledge that um, and what's been able to get those girls there. Um, but, you know, this season, it's so different to any other season. Normally with the home, uh, the, the sorry, the securing that, um, that minor premiership, you've secured at least two home finals. Um, and <laughs> obviously that's not the case this year. So, and, and as it is with any year, you know, what, what happens through the, um, the home and away season um, it really doesn't count for much when you get to finals. It only matters what you do on the day of those finals. So while it, while it is an exciting position to be in, it's, it's probably just a different um 
Yeah, it means something slightly different probably this season. Um, and and then, as you say, you, you think about then there's two games to go, two rounds to go, and how you manage that because there's some um, injury niggles. So I know that Simone and, and all the team are really uh, putting a lot of work into um, thinking about how they approach these two games because um, perhaps it is a chance um, to refresh. And with that little bit of extra time anyway, you get that. Um, but... You know, as I said before, you you want to maintain the momentum as much as you can. You don't you don't want to um, step away from that too much. You still want to be able to put that uh, that good performance out. Do you have an update on Lizzie Watson for us? Uh, no, nothing updated in terms of what you know whether she'll be playing next week. Um, sorry, this weekend. Um, but she, I, I definitely know like things are settling very nicely. Um, you know, any of that swelling that was in the ankles come down really well. So as I said, I know that the team's kind of looking not only at Lizzie, but at every athlete as to, you know, what the right approach is to get them just in the best condition that they can possibly be in when we come to that, um, that really important time. And one of the exciting things I think for the girls, and I know that they're looking forward to it, is that they've got a trip away. We saw uh, the magpies <laughs> and the lightning in Townsville last night which was great to see that um but also uh the rest of the rest of the competition will be going up to Cairns and I think be um probably is it is it like an, an away trip even though they're away it kind of you get to go and travel together and we all you know as athletes we like those little trips don't we mm. And I think it will be so good for all of them to get out of the same hotel rooms that they've been in just to travel together. That takes up time, the travelling process anyway, so it'll fill in a day for them to get up there and and potentially have some new roommates that they can hang out with that's a little bit of a different environment for them. So I actually think all the players will be really loving this weekend away going up north and also it's Indigenous round and I don't know Mm. about you but I've been loving seeing all the dresses that the clubs have been putting on their social media. Adelaide Thunderbirds is my favourite dress so far of the Indigenous round. We haven't actually seen it out there but I've seen it on Instagram. I think it looks fabulous so I just good work to all the clubs for putting in so much effort and for telling a story with the dresses that they've put together they've obviously gone out to different people in the community and allowed them to design the dresses and I just love it I think it just really adds something totally different to the sport and I hope that we do more and more in this space in the future yeah I agree and I I love seeing that too and you're right about that storytelling and that's you know that's what we we love in in any of the the social connections that we have and you know i think as as a society as a whole and certainly in netball we can tell that indigenous story far better probably i mean i think mm. we can tell the netball story far better than we have and I, and i think from that indigenous perspective we can certainly grow that and i know um you know i thought it was great seeing one of my ex teammates Sharon Finn and White on the commentary team uh, last night, it was fantastic to hear her and get her insights. And you know, I, I think yeah, there's, there's still work to be done. But I love that we do celebrate Indigenous Round, and I think that we can continue to expand that. Hey, um, I, I mentioned that game that Sharon was on. Sunshine Coast Lightning, of course, secured their finals uh, berth. Uh, with that win over the Magpies last night. Um, We don't know exactly yet um, what position that will be because the last round, you know, the next couple (laughs) of games and then the next round will continue to be really fascinating as to how that plays out. But um, it was an interesting game, B. Uh, Magpies 38 
turnovers, sorry, 38 turnovers, which is incredibly high. And even the Lightning had 31. So I'm sure that they would be wanting to pull that back. But it was a, a really defensive game. And Pumza Mawaini uh, took out the MVP of that game. Um, and I think it was her strongest game. Uh, you know, we often speak about Carla Pretorius and the damage that she can do when... Oh, I, I said it last. I said it in our last podcast. B, I, I just have a feeling about Lightning that you know they're just going to chip away, get themselves into that finals position, and they will be dangerous. hundred percent, they will be. They they know how to win. They're the only mm. team that's been in every grand final so far. They've won it twice, and you know came second to Swiss last year, but. You know, they haven't changed at all. So they know how to do it. And as much as I'm loving pumping up Vixens and I'm loving pumping up Fever because it's exciting to see how both of those clubs are playing, but Lightning are very scary and they've gone under the radar. And yes, we know they haven't started well and it's taken them a little while to find their feet and they won't be happy with that that amount of turnovers, alone, I guess, the turnovers Magpies have. But I just, I feel like they're going to be a real threat uh, they're also at home in a way, aren't they? They haven't had to oh, yeah. pack up their lives. And the mental fatigue that comes into it and whether your club's winning or losing, the mental fatigue that comes in for players now, they've been away from home for a long time. It's not easy for anyone. So that's a huge advantage, I think, for Sunshine Coast Lightning that they are actually at home and they're used to it and they haven't had to travel. Another thing I want to highlight is for Fever, Think about Fever in all of their years that they've played and they've never been able to actually win it. Yes, they got really close, but they haven't had to travel at all this year. Can Mm. you imagine the advantage it is to them as a team and the playing group? That is one of the biggest hurdles that any player that goes over to Perth to play has to kind of cope with is all the huge amounts of travel and the pressure it puts on your body flying all the time. Imagine how they are feeling right now that they haven't had to do any of that travel. <laughs> yeah, what a huge difference. Good point. I hadn't thought about that, actually. And, um, you know, they we all talk about um, that trip to Perth is a tough one and they're doing it every second week, you know, back and forth across the country. So, yeah, not not having that, that would, would absolutely have a massive impact for them. And, um, you know, it's just it's it's always fascinating as to the jostling and and who is actually going to be able to step up when it counts. And I think um, Fever are one of those teams that are really shaping up to um, put a lot of pressure on. I mean, we've seen them in the last couple of weeks just um, absolutely hit their stride. Um, like one thing, I think goals for Janiel Fowler. Oh, Can no, you even oh, no. comprehend that? I can't imagine <laughs> stopping it, let alone shooting it. Like it's just <laughs> phenomenal. Oh. My arm, I think my arm would be sore if I had to shoot that many goals <laughs> in a game. <laughs> but she just seems to do it so naturally and so easily. I mean, they're connecting with her so well. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about you, Bea, and um, all those years that you played goalkeeper and, uh, you know, you're probably thanking the Lord you didn't have to <laughs> try, or you're not having to well, try and climb her back. I remember playing when, when Ramelda Aitken first came out and, you know, that was a big thing that we were trying to keep her, especially Jeeva and I, were trying to keep her under, uh, it used to start at 50 goals and then we were trying to keep her under 40 goals and we'd be, you know, high-fiving each other if we could keep her under 40. That was a massive game for us. Mm. And if you knew you kept her under 45, you generally beat Firebirds. So to even comprehend trying to keep someone under 60 goals, it just in my head just seems... 
really possible, let alone having a super shot there where the goal attack, like Ellis Teague Neal or Kaylee Stanton, can step out there into that zone in that last five minutes and bomb a two. It just makes it that much harder for a defensive circle to try and figure out what the hell you do against them to stop them. Yeah, it's true. And, and I mean, you know that mental... Um, challenge that goes along with the ball continuing to be lobbed up over your head, over your head, and it's, it's actually talk to us about that because I we just want I just want to talk about one other thing with the um, fever before we get in. We forgot to mention off the top, our very special guest today is going to be um, Maddie Brown, who has announced her retirement recently. So we're very much looking forward to chatting to her. But before we get into that. Um, you know, I, I've never been, I've always been up the other end watching my teammates uh, with that ball kind of sailing over their head 95% of the time. What is that like? What is that mental challenge like in knowing that really you may only have that couple of chances through the game? And even although it feels like maybe that ball's going over, over, and may, like sometimes I'm sure you're feeling I'm getting beaten, but you still need to stay switched on and in that positive frame of mind. So then if that pass is slightly off, you're still there to be able to to affect that turnover. Yeah, it's a really isolating, especially if you're a goalkeeper, it's a really isolating position to be in because you just, it's hard to get your head around the fact that you've only got a small opportunity to get the ball. And if you get one or two, that's like a massive win for you because you're used to going, okay, every game I want to try and get you know, two intercepts a quarter and three deflections and you set yourself all these targets and it just goes out the window when you're playing against someone so tall. The, the Probably the best way that we handled it, and that was when Jeeva and I were playing with Vixens together, is that it was more a unit opportunity. Mm. So when you say you were watching, I hope you were putting on some defence for us because that's exactly what we needed to happen was we needed <laughs> goal attack, wing attack, goal shooter to start. If it was a goalkeeper having a throw in, say for fever, You need your attackers to be absolutely on it and to be slowing the ball down. And I know we hear a lot about teams saying, oh, it's got to be defended up the court first to give the defenders an opportunity. But the more you played as a team, the more you felt supported. And so our mindset was every centre pass that um, Firebirds had would be an opportunity for us. So even if you got beaten, even if the goal had gone in again, we had to just go, don't worry about that. Let's go next next opportunity, next opportunity. And it was just about Jeeva and I, and at the end it was Kate Maloney on wing defence. We just had to keep ourselves up and positive and not get caught in the trap of, oh, another goal. And we didn't actually want to know how many Romelda had shot during the game because we knew that if, if we, she'd shot 11 in a quarter, that was going to make us feel a little bit less excited about taking on the next quarter. So we just made an effort to not worry about what the numbers that we're shooting. It was just about every centre pass was an opportunity. What could we do differently? And that's the only way you can go about it and just pray that your attacking end are working as hard as they can to slow that ball down for you. Yeah, one step at a time. I like that. And you know what I was always like, B. I, I loved a bit of getting in the you uh, loved face a bit of, of a goal defender. <laughs> Just I like loved I loved that. a bit I of attack, that. you and if you threw a ball away or if you missed a shot, I just loved your reaction because you would go <laughs> hell for leather to try and get that ball back. You did not want anyone to take that ball off you. <laughs> no, I got very angry at myself when I did that and made a mistake. I was like, right, I'm getting that back. Um, anyway, um, I know we're we're having a bit of uh, a laugh there, but um, this is not a laughing matter. This is something that happened. Um, 
through the week um, to Verity Charles, who's a West Coast Fever player and has been having an absolutely outstanding season. She has been really one of the uh, real standouts, one of the players that has stepped up this season and I think has been um, a big part of why the West Coast Fever are doing so well. Uh, Verity was out work, walking along South Bank in Brisbane and uh, some ladies, actually, some middle-aged ladies approached her. One, oh, one was wearing... Um, Queensland Firebirds uh, team, or not team gear, but fan gear. And they uh, had some words to, to Verity and were not kind at all to her and spat in Verity's direction, which I, when I heard this story, and I know it was Sue Gordian who put this story up originally, and I've heard Verity talk about it and uh, I know we we pondered maybe having her on, but we think maybe it's it's time for her to move on from this. But I could not believe that. One of the things that I think we pride ourselves on as a sport is the inclusive nature and um, the respectful nature that we we really use and we we experience at games. I mean, you know that certainly fans can get quite boisterous and uh, against the opposition, but. I could not believe that a netball fan behaved in that way. What what were your thoughts, B? Oh, I was absolutely disgusted. I actually couldn't believe it. I was like, "Is this? Did this really happen?" Um, like, oh, I just couldn't get my head around it. But one thing that um, after all of it and reading the response, not just from West Coast Fever, but also Queensland Firebirds, and mm. I just the the what Catherine Clark, the CEO of Queensland Netball, put out was. She wrote this, let me be absolutely clear, this behaviour will not be tolerated by our club. Those involved should be ashamed of themselves. The person wearing a Firebird shirt should hand it back. You clearly do not share our values. You are not welcome at our club. And I just thought, yes, netball, like, yes, stick up for your players. Absolutely own how we want our sport um, to behave and to be seen and the people that we want around it. And I just think it's been a really good reaction it, Terrible situation, but a really good reaction from netball as a whole um, that this is not accepted. Yeah, I do too. And I, I really like those official responses, um, both from Fever and from Queensland Netball. As and you said, quick I think too. They didn't take their time. Quick. They didn't think about no. it. It was like, bang, this is it. Not tolerated. Move on. Because that's what Verity said as well. She said, I don't want to talk about this publicly anymore. I don't want the investigation to be a public thing, but I want it to happen. And um, that's why, you know, it was best to let Verity play. She's playing so well. She's absolutely dominating the midcourt for the fever. So, I mean, we wish her all the best anyway going forward, but good on her for actually highlighting it and being brave enough to speak about it. Yeah, that's right. And I and I think, um, you know, in those moments, it can, it can show the, the true character of a person and of an organisation too in how you respond um, to those things. And so uh, everyone involved, uh, except for the women who actually perpetrated that, are to be congratulated in, in how they handled it. Let's uh, get, get on to the next thing, B, because uh, we've had a couple of retirements already. Who knows what will happen at the end of this season as it plays out. But uh, our guest for today is Maddie Brown, who has been a lead legend of our sport across many, many years. She announced her retirement just recently. So let's get in to chatting to her just after this. Welcome back to the Inner Circle podcast. As I mentioned earlier, we are very lucky today to be joined uh, by one of the real uh, 
superstars of netball over the past uh, decade or decade and a half, really. She's a four-time club MVP, a two-time league MVP, the current Magpies captain, of course. Uh, she uh, represented the Australian Diamonds 61 times, uh, took a gold and a silver Commonwealth Games gold medal along the way, and it's a two-times Liz Ellis Diamond winner. It is Maddie Brown. Maddie, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. You forgot to say, you know, I've won your award twice too. But I mean, I know you. No, I thought it's really going to be like, and she's won mine twice. Yeah, my it's, Sherelle McMahon it's, medal. It's really weird for me to be going, and she's a Sherelle McMahon medalist twice. So uh, <laughs> I just went with club MVP. That's what I went with. <laughs> oh, dear. Hey, Maddie, thanks so much for joining us. And I know um, what a weird week in maybe some ways for us to be chatting to you because uh, you had that knee clean out uh, just on Tuesday. So just a couple of days uh, ago. Tell us how, how is it? How did it go? What did they find? Are you going to be uh, up and about quickly? What What's the story? Well, I mean, each time I have one of these stupid knee things, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to come back. And the first few days I'm like, why did you bother? Just just go without it. Just go without. Like, surely you can live a good quality life without. But um, they went in there. They obviously had a look. I've stayed up in Queensland. I was thinking of coming back to Melbourne and having, obviously, Julian Fowler look at it again. But I just figured up here it's quite easy to move around and without restrictions, just living a pretty good quality of life um, is huge in the scheme of rehabbing. So... Um, I'm up here. They went in. They had a look. Um, there was a little bit more involved than originally thought, but I couldn't be happier with how it has kind of come out because it's been really thorough. Everything's stitched and mended and smoothed and plucked and drilled and all that stuff. So I'm pretty <laughs> sore, but um, I know that my knee's in the best shape it possibly can be. And to be honest, as when he, when he came out after surgery, he said, you're lucky you stopped when you did because I was a bit of a ticking time bomb. So I'm pretty grateful that just I read the signs and listened to my body and, and stopped when I did, even though it was abruptly and not the way I wanted it to go. Mads, well, congratulations firstly because I think you've had such a huge career and even though I know you're still probably absorbing all of that it's, that it's finished, but how are you actually feeling now that you've had a couple of weeks after the announcement? How are you actually feeling about it? Are you excited? Are you exhausted? Take us into your mindset at the moment. Well, I must admit, like, watching netball, and I'm not sure whether you guys felt like this, but, like, I'm like, I don't want to do it at that level anymore. Like, I'm yeah. watching, and I'm like, <laughs> it was fun. And I love, like, I love game day, like, sitting there watching game day because, obviously, it wasn't announced until, a, like, a couple of games after. Like, I knew going into that Giants game my season was over, but none of my team did. I found out from the doctor the day before, just when we were having our little captain's run, and I was like, you know, it's just sort of skies. I'll be back after a game, but in my head I knew I was done. So that was pretty difficult to deal with going into the change rooms because I, I loved game day. I loved putting on the dress, I loved warming up, you know, all of that hard prep and work you've done just to get to that moment and just kind of embrace whatever happened during those 60 minutes. I loved and lived for that. So not being able to do that was a bit hard to start. But then now, like, watching watching on TV and then watching from the sideline, I'm like, you know what, I'm so happy for those girls to be out there. <laughs> like, it's been a real shift in my mindset. Like, as I said, I cherished every moment I got out there and I was so grateful because I had such an up and down road 
Um, but yeah, I'm very happy to step away and go, you know what? It's time for those young ones to step out there and do it. My body just cannot. And the amount of time it took, I, re- I remember with you, B, it'd be like, all right, you've got 500 jumps. Don't waste those 500 jumps before you've got left. <laughs> I felt like I only had a couple of dodges left and I was like, I cannot use them at training. I need to use them in a game. So yeah, my body got my body got to that point where I was like, the amount of time I'm having to put in just for 60 minutes of, you know, enjoyment kind of outweighed it in the end. So yeah, oh. pros and cons list was quite a little bit lopsided. <laughs> I totally agree, Mads. And, you know, I think it's really hard for people who either are fans of the game or haven't played for so long to understand. But you you get to this point, don't you, where I got shivers watching you all warm up once I retired because I was like, oh, I can't do that anymore. Like, I couldn't put my body through it. And I just, I, I don't know, retired life, you're going to love it. I tell you what, because your body actually thinks, oh, I don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. Oh, well, mentally watching it, like, I'm still very invested and I'm like, oh, why aren't you doing this? And, you know, what's happening here? Like, but I guess if anything, you know, having time away from the sport because of injury, like, especially having to sit out a whole season last year, I feel like I kind of had a taste of what being retired or being stepping away from this level would look like. So uh, everyone's like, how are you going? And I'm like, I actually did a whole season of preparation for this, so I'm pretty good. Um, But, yeah, like, seeing them warm up, I'm like, yeah, I could... At times I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, nah, I could do that. And then I watch them and I'm like, hell no, I don't want to be out there at all. Like, I just, right, you're like, you're shivering, you're like, nah, nah, I'm all good with that. Yeah. Do you know what? And I, and I think that, I'm good. I think that feeling of, uh, how the hell did I used to do that comes very quickly when you're retired from that level, when you're watching from the sidelines thinking, far out, that's fast. But actually what I wanted to ask you about, and I think, was it the Giants game where there's that footage of you, Maddie, when your feet and your hands were like zippity doo dah? Did you do that deliberately, <laughs> knowing that that was your last game? Because I've got to say, one of the things that if I remember you and visualise the way you played the game, it was just always so quick and so instinctive in the way that you delivered the ball and it was almost like you didn't have to think about where you were going and the ball was going next. It's Is that how you felt out on court? Was that something that was quite natural for you, that speed? I must admit, my body must have known something and been like, just give them one last highlight reel because this is it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! That was the best thing. I love that. I love that. I don't know, but I... I think from a young age, like, playing lots of sport, like basketball and netball were my major loves growing up, and I think both of them really complemented each other really well. I remember when I'm playing basketball, they were like the precision on the pass, which comes from netball, and then that aggressive speed and kind of wanting to move the ball quickly, I think, from transition in basketball translated to netball. And, um, yeah, I mean, I I think as I got older, Sherelle, I was like, let's just let the ball do all the work and let's be smarter with not having to move as much um, because, you know, your body starts to... I'm not sure I can physically, you know, match with some of these younger, fitter, um, you know, explosive athletes, but my brain is, you know, very, very much in tune with the game and how can I be smarter? So um, I'm delighted that you think that I still played at a fast level because I really wanted to come back and not have skipped a beat. But, um, yeah, I think I only showed showed some little passages of that, but um, it was awesome to be out there with Kels, to be honest. It was a dream come true to be able to step out there with her, 
in like that full capacity. I mean, we'd had obviously a little bit of a snippet at Vixens, but it was kind of like she was on, I was off, I was on, she was off. So to be out there together, knowing what we'd gone through in the last 12 months or 18 months together was, yeah, very, very special. And I'll, I'll hold on to that forever. Yeah, and I know um, how special that was to you because you didn't have much of a chance to play together at that level. Mads, but I, do, I want to wind the clock back because I remember you as a young athlete when the Vixens were created and we got that opportunity to play together in that first year way back in uh, 2008. And um, after that year, you moved to Perth and you had a different experience over there. I, I'm interested in when you reflect on that, that move, the athlete that you were at that stage in 2008 and the athlete you ended up being, what did you learn over that time or how did you change through those decisions and experiences that you had? Well, I'll never forget the day I had to call you both and tell you I was moving to Perth. It was probably one of the hardest conversations and you were both like, all right, see ya, bye. I was like, all right, no worries. But, um, like, Although 2008 was really hard at Vixens, you know, the two clubs coming together and then being a starting seven player and then moving to being more of an impact player was a bit of a harder transition. But um, I guess moving to Perth was something that I, I had to do because I, I probably needed to not so much prove people wrong. I've always been like, prove yourself right, Mads. Like, prove that you can actually be at this level, that you're capable, that you can compete, that you do have the skill set. So... I kind of went with that mindset and I know that in the off-season, like, I, I remember Julie Hornwick sitting down with me and she's like, now you're unfit, you're not that consistent, I don't think you're all that you think you are. And I was like, oh, my Whoa. God. Like, but <laughs> at 19, I was like, what would she know? And then two years later, I was like, that was the best decision she, like, best thing she said to me because without that, maybe I wouldn't have kind of taken it a bit seriously. Maybe I wouldn't have looked into all the other things that, maybe made me into the player I obviously got to be in the next couple of years after that. So I do think, you know, throughout my journey, I've I've been that impact player. I've had my time on the bench. I've been that starting seven. I've gone through the injuries. I've had the success. I've, you know, had the losses. I feel like I've kind of been able to live it all in what netball kind of can showcase to you. So I'm really grateful that my journey kind of took me all over the country and, I had to make those hard decisions. And I've always been that, you know, once you make that decision, then you make it the right decision. So even though it was hard and it was hard watching once you left Vixens, then you guys won the premiership. And I was like, gosh, maybe that would have been my chance. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I got to play at a different club. I got to probably grow up personally off the court as well and learn about living and eating and cooking and like all of those extra things that, you know, maybe leaving at home I wouldn't have been able to do. So although I've been, a, been to different clubs, I'm, I'm really grateful that that journey has probably taught me more about myself personally than maybe if I had it just stayed. And I also I remember when you came back to Vixens after Fever and, you know, you were, you were just the epitome of the fittest athlete, the healthiest athlete. You taught me all about how important green smoothies were and having kale and you, you, you told me and showed me how to make that all actually something that you want to eat and drink. Um, but on a serious note, Mads, what, what stands out to you as being your highlights of your career? Because I know, you know, everyone thinks the gold medals and the premierships are great, but are there certain moments where you're like, I'm so proud of myself for, for that and what I was able to do? Well, yes, I I think there are turning points. And like that, talking with Julie when she kind of 
laid it out as hard as she possibly could and had to kind of change my mindset to go to go to Perth, then coming back and then what it was going to be like being back. I think there were turning points in that. But probably one of the hardest things was being um, dropped from the Diamonds. Um, we were mm-hmm. mid-tour. I was meant to be there for four games. We played one. We lost by 10 in Invercargill and it was terrible. And then we got back to do a couple of weeks of training in Melbourne and like Lisa just rang and was like, no need to rock up tomorrow. And I was like, radio, okay, um, yep. But And it was the only change. So that was pretty hard. And then the following year was Com Games and I thought, well, that's kind of it. And you do have that question of, you know, maybe I won't be able to finish on my own terms. Maybe I won't be able to kind of say goodbye the way that I thought I would. It might just be done for me. So that was probably one of the hardest, maybe six to seven months going, mm. oh, well, I don't even have the opportunity to show you. Like, there's no games, there's no season. It's literally they've got the end of season tour and then Com Games is, you know, in April. Like, what do I do? So that was a really big personal moment, I think, that I was like, well, I've just got to go to camp. I've got three days to showcase what I can do. And I remember Alana, our physio, was like, you just came in and dropped the mic. And I was like, thank you very much. So that was probably one of those things that I was like, you know what, I'm so proud of myself. And although we didn't get the gold, I'm so proud of that silver as much as I am with the gold because I know that it was so hard to get there. And mm. getting there, I just loved it. So, yeah, that that definitely is probably one that I was like, oh, that challenged me probably more than I thought it maybe should have or would have. Yeah, and B and I know that, um, you know, feeling of taking out that silver medal like we did uh, back in Melbourne, but still, you know, in some ways being not more proud of it than the the mm. gold medals. But there, there's something special about those experiences too that, that you take away. But Mads, can I, can you tell us a little bit more about that experience with um, Lisa and the Diamonds and being asked, I didn't realise how uh, kind of abrupt that was for you. That sounds absolutely brutal. Can you let us and our listeners just a little bit of insight into that process and if, you know, what support was around you at that time or how that really felt when that phone call came in? Oh, well, I... The hard thing was, is like, yeah, we had had a terrible team performance, and I, I hands up, was not great, but it, we were all not great. And I actually sat next to her on the plane on the way home, and I was like, all right, what are the things that I can focus on? I'll come in and do some extra one-on-ones. I was not where I wanted to be. I couldn't perform. Um, you know, I'd been on the court. I got taken off. I came back on. I was better when I got back on. Maybe this is my new role. Maybe it's about transitioning and, you know, working with Liz Watson on what it's going to look like with both of us. Um, so, yeah, like it was it was difficult. And then, yeah, literally two days later, she just called and I was like, okay, Lisa, so I actually thought the conversation was organising some one-on-one coaching sessions and she was just like, just want to let you know we've decided that we're going to give some younger girls the opportunity. And I was like, okay. And they actually, the only positive I took out of it, and you'd know me, I try to look at things in the most positive light possible. Yes, well, yes. They had to replace me with two players. They had to that with players, <laughs> you know, even though I wasn't there. But they went through, obviously, a rotating thing and obviously gave those girls an opportunity. And, yeah, I was the only change out of the team and I was obviously selected for the entire tour and got one game out of the four. So, yeah, really hard. I, I did a lot of work with the... Um, 
well-being and psych in Angie Bain. She was great support. Um, and I'd even had those discussions or they started to talk to me about, you know, like, what else have you got outside of netball? And I was like, hang on a second. I am not there yet. Like, I am not looking at that chapter just yet. Like, I'm not done. Like, do not wipe me off just yet. So, um, yeah, I remember sitting in lawn and uh, in our family holiday house and I watched it. And I watched every match and my dad was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, I want this to hurt that much that I get out there every single day. And I'd go up to the Oval. I did extra sessions. I booked out the local gym um, to do some court work and ball handling and dodging. I was like, I am not going to rock up to that camp if I get an invite underdone and underprepared. So, yeah, that was really difficult. But then when I got the phone call and I remember sitting in my car and I was shaking and I sat with the door open because I thought I might vomit when she said, you've made the Commonwealth Games team for the Gold Coast. I burst into tears. I was like, oh, my goodness, what what a ride. So it was just like, whew, that was totally worth it. Totally worth it. Oh, I just love hearing that, Mads, because, you know, I've been through it too. It is bloody hard. And some I just don't think people realise just how intense it actually is and how brutal it can be at times and and how you really have to dig pretty deep, don't you, to be able to even face up to the team, um, even though people think, oh, yeah, you're good enough to be in the team. But just even to show up to a squad camp after you've been dropped is one of the hardest things you ever have to put yourself through. Um, but good on you for doing it and good on you for doing all of that hard work. Um, you mentioned how Angie Bain and everyone was saying, oh, what are you going to have? What do you do outside of netball now? And what, what are your plans? Obviously, now you have retired. What are your plans? I'd love to know what you're thinking of doing and how you want to stay involved in the sport. Well, I, I still would love to play at a particular level. I know I spoke to Coxie about that the other day. She's like, you're kidding, right? And I was like, oh. <laughs> um, I, like, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I definitely do want to continue to be in the sport. And whether that takes me, you know, to a different country, like over the ditch to New Zealand or even to the UK, like I'd love to kind of spread my wings a little bit and explore those types of um, different netball worlds. I mean, Australia, it has been great, but it's kind of like I need to step out of my comfort zone, I think, a little bit. So I don't know whether I'll looking to that at the moment it's just about getting my body right and making sure that I can live a really healthy um you know life and be able to do all the things that I want to do and not have to have a knee replacement at 40 which isn't that far away so um (laughs) yeah I just I obviously have my Pilates and I and I love that so I know when I was playing I was like yeah you know once I finish I want to go into like all these like really you know top end jobs and stuff I really want a gap year I just want a gap year to kind of <laughs> find my feet explore a few different things I'm not going to go straight into coaching just yet I just am like if if I can't play then I don't want to give as much time and my weekend's still away so I'll continue to explore some of those things but just yeah see see where it takes me whether I go do a bit of traveling once that's allowed I'm not too sure but I just really need a bit of a gap here and know that when I do come back to the sport whether I'm back in Melbourne or whether I'm working at Collingwood or whatever I'm doing like I'm the right person and I've got the right skill set and I'm in the right headspace to continue to invest and give more rather than oh my goodness here we are it's the same four walls and off we go again <laughs> so yeah <laughs> and take your time I still don't know what I want to do yet after I've retired and I've been retired for about five years so <laughs> just take your time <laughs> um I just wanted to touch on quick quickly how important 
your family have been to you and your career? Because, you know, we all know playing in Victoria, we see the Brown family, your mum and dad and your sister, like they've just been around netball for so long and such a supportive family. How has it been for your mum and dad to see you retire but not actually be able to be up there with you um, and being a part of it like they normally would, you know, courtside, your mum is always cheering and dancing along. Um, Yeah, how's it been for them? It's been really hard, really hard. And, I mean, I think Kelsey and I, because we actually have had the opportunity to live together as adults, not as kids (laughs) up here in this hub life. And, um, you know, I obviously knew before this season even started, regardless of what it was going to look like when we were in isolation down in Geelong training together, I was like, I think this is going to be my last year. And Kelsey was like, nah, I'll, I'll make you change your mind. And I was like, no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain. Like, I, that's the way I'm feeling. And I'd even just joke, you know, when we were doing fitness testing. And um, I was pretty proud of myself. I, I got PBs in all of my tests this year really like, that's awesome yeah. good job <laughs> for someone who'd been around for 15 years i'm like there's a lot of data to troll through so that's good well that's the last vertical jump and she'd be like shut up maddie no <laughs> but yeah like mum and dad i think have struggled so it's been great to be here with kelsey because not everyone has you know, a family member up here going through this with them. So it's been great to have her, but mum and dad have definitely struggled not being courtside. And I know walking out that first game back um, and looking into a vacant crowd, no one was there, obviously, because we were still in quarantine. And I looked at Kelsey and she looked at me and I was like, we've got this, we've got each other, it's okay. Because, you know, I've looked up to the crowd every time and they've been there every single moment through every single game. So, um, yeah, very hard to not have them, but... Um, and it's even hard now because now I'm icing and mum's like, oh, I meant to be there for this. And I'm like, it's fine. It's okay. Like, I've got this. I know how to work the game ready. I'm pretty well equipped in that space. So, yeah, we've missed them, but I can't wait to get home and maybe go down to our holiday house in Lawn and just sit there and just reminisce and talk about all the incredible times um, that we've been able to have and share and, and, you know, the highs and the lows and, have a nice drink and then be like, well, on to the bigger and better things because I think Dad was like, please come home. I don't want to. I don't want you to hurt, hurt yourself anymore. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to see them and give them a big hug. But hopefully there'll still be a brown running around for a few more years and um, that name can still do some incredible things on the court. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Kelsey will continue to do that. And what I mean, Mads, what an incredible story you've got. And thank you so much for sharing it with such honesty. And you've always got such a great energy. Um, I don't think that there would be any other players that have really been at two start-up clubs uh, with the Melbourne Vixens you were back with in 2008 and, of course, went across to the Magpies when they started up. So you've got some incredible experiences there, I'm sure, and have learnt some fantastic lessons along the way and had some great experiences. And I feel very privileged to have shared the court with you for for those little snippets of of time that we had together. Um, And do you know what? I feel like we could keep talking to you about all those things, but we do need to let you you go um, and get on to whatever it is next that you've got up. Uh, Although you're probably not doing much. You're on crutches at the moment because you've literally just had your operation. (laughs) Look, look, the Telstra TV box is getting a pretty good run at the moment. So, yeah. I mean, if there's one thing I'm good at, I'm good at sitting on a couch, icing and watching some TV or just 
<laughs> zoning out. So yeah. Oh, good. I'm, I'm well, you've had you've had some. <laughs> You've had some good experience with that. And everyone, the international uh, teams, you've heard it here. Maddie is looking for somewhere to go internationally. So get onto that. Get onto that. What an amazing addition you would be, Maddie, to any club right around the world. Thank you. Congratulations once again on what has been a fantastic career. We're very much looking forward to, no doubt, you've been con- uh, continuing to be involved in netball. Uh, thanks for joining us today. It's been fantastic. Thank you, Maddie Brown. Thank you, ladies. Well, there you have it. That was Maddie Brown joining us. And B, we, we've had some amazing guests on over our podcast journey, which has been fantastic. But no offence to any of our others. That was one of my favourite. I thought that Maddie just had a real honesty and great way of explaining some of her uh, experiences that she's had. I totally agree with you, Shaz. And, you know, both of us have got to play with Maddie over the years. So we know that she will, she has, she will be honest, but I don't think it gets shared enough, some of those really tough times that you go through as an athlete, how you have to dig deep to be able to get yourself out of it and get yourself playing well and you know I I'm even shocked when she describes her career as being really up and down because I look at her career and be like you have been a phenomenal player but you just don't realize all the little bits and pieces that go on uh, you know when you're playing alongside somebody so yeah I, I really enjoyed that chat too and it just sounds like she's in such a great place now once she gets this knee right to enjoy whatever's to come especially playing again yeah. I'm shocked she wants to play again oh yeah there you go that's exciting and yeah and you write that up and down stuff I mean sometimes you you know when you read her stats you think oh she never went to a world championship tournament a world cup tournament so it's you know it's one thing when when you realize that again you're like oh that's right she's such a great consistent player over those times but missed those opportunities and and I do it was great hearing her talk about um when she first came to the Vixens back in 2008 and those tough conversations her coach had with her Julie Hornweg and what a great lesson for us as um, and, and our listeners as either athletes or coaches in those hard conversations, even though they at the time can be really challenging and perhaps really confronting, mm. sometimes that can be the instigation for real growth personally and, you know, whatever or whatever world that we're living in. So I think, you know, a, a great story because I remember her as that athlete in 2008 and she did have a lot of work to do. Um, and so, when, and as you said, when she came back from that experience in fever, she was a completely different athlete and probably had a completely different attitude. So, um, totally. yeah, have Do those you conversations. Do you remember that phone call? I don't remember the phone call telling her she was going to fever and she was like, you two were like, okay, see ya. <laughs> yeah, oh, that made me laugh. I'm like, we probably were talking. We were like, all right, see you later, have fun. Because, uh, you know, oh, we, sorry, that rivalry between kestrels and phoenix was just so tough like and so you know yeah. you just wanted to smash them every time we played kestrels and so bringing together <laughs> as a team that was really hard and so i can it totally was. imagine us yep okay see if you don't want to be a part of it bye <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and i do i remember so clearly how tough that first year was bringing those two teams together and trying to create that new environment with the vixens and that played out on court in not a great uh, season and, but I, I think we all kind of felt like 
the following year, which is the year we did win that premiership in 2009, I don't know, I just felt it right from the end of that 20, uh, 2008 year that there was something going to happen. And I don't know, maybe we were like, well, if you're not on board, have fun somewhere. I don't know. I, I can't remember that exact phone call either, but I'm not great with memories Well, it's like got to be tough at times too, doesn't it? Like that's what yeah. happens. Um, actually, just quickly yeah. before we wind it up, I just wanted to ask you about those tough conversations because at the moment there's a lot of talk about Caitlin Bassett not getting on at all for the Giants. You know, mm. they. Uh, do you think there's some tough conversations going on between Julie Fitz and Caitlin Bassett right now, or do you feel like those conversations would be left to the end of the year? I, I think those conversations would be happening, or they should be happening. I think that those lines should be open between the coach and the athlete, and um, I would uh, I would hope that um, there's feedback going both ways, but particularly to Seabass, to you know, for her as to what she can do and what she's providing when she is getting out there on court. I mean, at the moment, there's um, discussions happening around contracting as well through the through the team. So that's a, a whole nother layer of um, discussions and things that the teams are all dealing with at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say that those conversations are happening. I mean, Julie Fitz is such an experienced coach. Um, but that is an interesting one as to how that plays out for Caitlin um, in terms of, you know, what she's doing with the Giants, but also um, through that Australian Diamonds program as well. Because mm. let's let's be clear, the Giants are still in with a chance of making it into that four position, that final four position. So depending on what, what happens in the other games. So uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I'm just, it's fascinating to me to just see it play out because there's a lot of commentary on social media about CBAS needs to be on and all of this. And I mean, it does just because you are the captain of the Diamonds doesn't necessarily mean the way you play suits the way Giants want to play right now. But I, I believe Diamonds are going to need Caitlin Bassett. They're going to need Caitlin Bassett in the best shape and the best form they can have her when it gets to the international um, competition. Uh, but it's very hard for her to prepare for that when she's not really getting out there mm. on court. So, I mean, it's just another talking point that's happening in this 2020 year. Oh, that's it, that's it. And there's always lots and no doubt there'll be more next week, B, when we catch up for another episode of The Inner Circle. We'll chat to you then.